Welcome into the Scout and the Sports page. I am the host, Paige Demacos, here with my co-host, Gary Horton. Gary, how are you doing today on this lovely Friday? Hey, I'm doing great. Another beautiful day in San Diego. What can be all bad? Yeah, so here's the thing about what's going on in this podcast. So I'm in Phoenix, and the weather's not that bad. I shouldn't complain. But the weather in San Diego is actually perfect every single day. So this is going to be a common theme, I feel like, on the podcast. You're going to routinely talk about how beautiful the weather is, at least for right now. Uh, maybe by November I'll feel better about it, but right now I'm very, very well, jealous of you, Gary. But, Paige, it's not perfect here. I saw a cloud two days ago. Wow. So it's not like it's perfect. Wow. Yep. See, I- I'm just going to get right into football because otherwise I'm just going to get upset. So we'll just, we'll, we <laughs> we'll just go into – we are previewing the NFC – this week. Uh, next week, we'll be previewing the AFC and then back at it for a, a larger preview when the Chiefs and the Patriots face off on Thursday night and we have some real football to talk about. But for right now, it's preseason, what we think about these teams before they all kick off, and we will start with the NFC East, and that is the Dallas Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott out six games right now, appealing that suspension. That is the biggest topic with surrounding this team this year, Gary. So, what do you see from this team? this year without Zeke if he sits six games? Well, it's a shame nothing's coming out of Dallas news-wise. I mean, it's another quiet week, right? <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. No, it's uh, – to be honest, I think it has a huge effect on their team because obviously the, their bread and butter is their run game. It's their offensive line. It's their power run game. He is an amazing talent. I think he'll try to appeal his suspension – and if he can get it down to three or four games, then maybe that's a little more realistic. But I think what people don't realize, Paige, not only is this run game terrific and it moves the chains, but it keeps a bad defense on the sidelines. This is not an elite Dallas defense, and time of possession is really important to them. And I think now we're looking at if Darren McFadden or a running back by a committee approach can't work. Are they going to put more on Dak Prescott's, uh, you know, shoulders? I don't think so. I think this team and these coaches really feel like this is our identity. We're going to plug McFadden in. Maybe a few more bootlegs and rollouts and safe passes by Prescott. But I don't think they're all going to sudden change and become pass-heavy. Okay. I know that's a little long, but, but uh, there's so much here with Dallas. Oh, there's so much here with Dallas. And if Dak... If Dak is asked to do more, what do you see? Does he have the capability to do more without Ezekiel Elliott there? Well, he can, Paige, because when you watch him on film, they really simplify things for him. I mean, he's really good. Don't get me wrong, he handles the uh, the huddle very well. But a lot of his deals, as I said, are half rolls, bootlegs, drag a guy across, drag a guy across the formation. So he's only reading half the defense. You don't see him drop back a lot and have to read his progressions, one, two, three, and four, and that makes it so much easier. And I think they may continue to do that. They may stay with a more of a short passing game. Maybe Des Bryant picks up a little bit of the slack. But I don't think the offense really changes because I think they feel like Prescott is at his best when he's getting outside and he's reading half the defense for an easy throw which protects him on interceptions. 
Well, we will wait to see what happens with Ezekiel Elliott because, as we've seen play out with Tom Brady, these things can take a while. He could end up playing all six games this year and then come back with a suspension next year. But we will move on to the New York Giants. They add Brandon Marshall in the offseason. They've added a lot of key defensive players over the last two years. That wide receiving core is mighty nice. What do you see from Eli Manning and the New York Giants this year? Well, I like the receiving core because I think Brandon Marshall will take a lot of coverage away from Odell Beckham Jr. I think their their little guy in the slot, Shepard, has a chance to be a breakout guy. And the guy I'm really looking at, they haven't had production from the tight end position in a long time. Evan Ingram all of a sudden has a chance to be really good over the middle of the field and on third down. The only guy, honestly, Paige, I'm not wild about in this offense is Eli Manning. I see him, in my mind, when I watch him on film, he regresses a little bit. His accuracy isn't what it used to be. Now, the good thing for him is this is a short, ball-out, quick passing game that depends on yards after catch. Beckham is obviously the best in the league at that. And so it's a safer passing game than most, but I think – Eli has got to have more accuracy. He's got to play a little better. He's got to identify his, his uh, coverages at the line of scrimmage. But I think how far this team goes, Paige, relies on their defense. A year ago, I know they spent a ton of money adding all their guys. And I thought, well, this is nice, but it's not spectacular. But it really was. I mean, the front seven was dramatically better, but where it really showed up was on the back end and their coverages. They started off forced to be a zone team to protect their guys. The end of the season, they were blitzing and playing man, and this was a dominating defense. So I really I really think that they're going to be a real key, but they don't have a run game either. So it's a short passing game in the defense in my mind. Do you think their secondary has improved enough to, to be a top three overall defense this year, the New York Giants? I think it's really, really close right now. And, again, because Steve Spagnuolo, he, you know, for years he's wanted to play those aggressive man schemes that he did years ago, which allows him to blitz because they can put those guys on an island. I think now they have the guys back there that he feels comfortable with, and that gives him, I mean, they already have a good front four. Now you add blitzing to that. I think they feel like they can do anything to keep you off balance. And I just, yeah, they're, they're, that's a good point. They're probably close to being at least a top five secondary. Yeah, I really like the New York Giants this year. I think overall, <laughs> uh, offensively and defensively, I really like this team, but especially defensively. Let's move on to a team whose defense I like, but their offense question is very questionable in my mind, and that's Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz coming back for his second season this year. What do you see from Carson Wentz? Does he take a big step forward, and is the offense good enough with a, with a pretty good defense in my mind? Well, I think he has, he has to take the next step. There's no excuses. He has two new wide receivers in Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith, both guys that can go deep. The word out of training camp and early in the season is that his deep ball is much, much better so that should be a real positive. I think the negative is I'm not sure they have a great run game, and I think that could be a little bit of a problem. And as you mentioned on defense, I think it's good, 
and I love the front seven where they've really, really gotten exposed is at their corner position. You know, they can't line up at corner and play man defense, you know, which they'd like to do. Now, Ronald Darby, the guy they got from Buffalo, he really helps. But until they can do that, I think they're going to be a, a defense sort of in transition with a great front seven, but with a rush four, drop seven mentality. But really, what they'd like to do is blitz more and take more chances. But that really exposes them at the corner position. That was their huge problem page a year ago. They gave up a ton of big plays on defense. But I agree with you. Overall, it's a good defense. But they haven't been able to solve the corner problems. Well, and the tough part for them is they played against you know teams like the New York Giants and the Washington Redskins who air it out a lot. I mean, they fat they they face those guys that who do get those big plays. And now you add in the fact that the New York Giants got better in the off season. Now that's that's tough for them defensively. But let's get to the last team in this division, and that is the Washington Redskins. They look much different this year than they did last year, especially offensively. Kirk Cousins has had some different contract things, negotiations, issues over the past few years. I don't know how much that's going to impact him. I do think he is impacted quite a bit from the fact that the receivers that he was getting used to are no longer there. I'm not in love with the run game, but what do you see from the Washington Redskins this year? Well, when you lose two 1,000-yard receivers, how in the world do you recover? Having said that, I like him probably a little more than a lot of people. I think Terrell Pryor will be a nice deep threat coming over from Cleveland, and I think he's going to add to him. I think Doxson has a chance to, to really emerge. I think they're going to have enough at the receiving position if their tight end Reed is healthy. Now, he's not been healthy in the preseason. He's had concussion problems. That's always a really issue if he gets another one. But if they stay healthy, I think – Offensively, they can be good. I do not like their run game. Everybody seems to be high on Rob Kelly. Maybe I'm missing something, but I just don't see it. But I do love, like, I don't love, I like the young guy, Perrine, the, the, the rookie running back, but he didn't look very good last week. Again, it's early in the season. They've got to be able to run the football. And defensively, they feel a lot better about this team. They really like their corners, Paige, and I think that has a real impact on what they do. They're going to play 75% nickel and sub packages on defense, and they think they can line up. Josh Norman can cover your best receiver all over the field. So I, I think they think they'll be a, a, a better football team. But you don't know about the Cousins thing. Is it a locker room distraction? You know, uh, I mean – you just don't know how that's going to play out. How do they like the front office? I think they're talented, but I, I think they're a little bit of a wild card in a very balanced division. Yeah, and I, I'm not a big – it seems like Washington always has issues with front office, more ownership meddling into issues such as Kirk Cousins. So I don't see that team being above 500. Uh, I would actually probably have them at about a 7-9 and nine team, but we'll, we'll see. But we'll move on to that. Who do you think is going to win the division? Who do I think is going to win the division? I think the New York Giants win that division pretty easily, I think. You do? I do. Wow. I'm a big wow. – I mean, how about if Elliot, if Elliot was eligible, would you have a different feeling? 
Uh, I I would be higher on Dallas, but I'm in the belief of this team taking a overall step back because two of their yeah. major pieces on that offensive line are not there this year, and they plugged in people who are not nearly as good as as who they. Yeah, had no, before. no, I agree. I to me, it's a nine and seven division. Yeah. I just don't. I don't think their wild cards coming out of the East. I think it'll be one team, and that's it. Yep, absolutely. I, I I think they're the the bottom fat. I think Washington, Philly, and Dallas can all be very similar to each other. I just put the Giants up a little higher because their defense to me is elite in comparison to the others in that division. So that's why I give them the edge overall. Um, that wide receiving core. I absolutely with Eli. agree with you. Yep. Well, we'll move on to the NFC North, and we'll start with uh, my Chicago Bears. And my oh my, there's always a lot to talk about with this team, but this year. The hot talk is Mitch Trubisky and Mike Glennon and whether or not they're going to stick with the plan and keep Mike Glennon starting day one. And uh, that's what I hope for overall for Mitch Trubisky's what he can do long term. I think it's best for him to sit, uh, learn a little bit for this team's not going to compete this year in this division. But what do you see from the Chicago Bears and what do you anticipate they do with the quarterback battle? Well, he showed in, in week one that he can do everything you need to do. Now, that was a small sample size. And for an organization in a city that's really looking for something to hang on to, it's easy to overrate that. I agree with you, partly because he's a young guy. He doesn't have a lot of college starts under him. But I think the other thing that you have to look at, he doesn't have a lot of offensive weapons. If you throw him into the lineup... Who are you throwing to? Who's a sure thing there? Cameron Meredith, some guy that just kind of emerged last year. So his passing weapons are very, very limited. I think what they're going to do, Paige, try to run the ball with Jordan Howard, control the clock, you know, try to not have to pass a lot and hope that their defense can hold up. I'm not the fan of Jordan Howard that everybody is. I know he finished the season last year really good. But I think that, you know, it's going to be a dink and duck passing game. It's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, short stuff that will be easy to defend. And then in defense, again, it's going to be because they don't have great talent, a lot of cover two, a lot of zones. Uh, They want to blitz, but I don't think they can. So I look at the Bears as a team on what they want to be and what they are are two different things. And and until they get better personnel, they're not going to be able to be aggressive on either side of the ball like I think they want to. No, they want to be that old Chicago-style football that has been there for so long, the the running back who's strong and runs a lot. But the issue is you don't have a passing game that's going to allow for that running back to – to be able to, to to set up and be the kind of guy that he can be. I think Jordan, I'm a big fan of Jordan Howard. I'm just not a big fan of that offense overall, and I don't think he's going to get the opportunities because the it's an unknown. Those wide receivers are an unknown. What so you, are, you, are buying, you are buying into all the positives about Jordan Howard. I think Because a lot of people love him. I, I like Jordan Howard, but I put, I put it with a clause that I don't like the offense. So I don't think he's going to be as – as successful because I think he's in a bad position. If he was in, if he had a great offense, if he was in Dallas per se, like last year, like Ezekiel, he was drafted into a very, very good situation. I like him individually. I just don't think, I don't think that Chicago opens up 
enough for him to really be extremely successful or live up to what people are projecting him to be just because they don't have anything else. So it's very easy to take away the run uh, game when you know that that's what's coming. In fairness, they have improved the interior of their offensive line, but I think the problem's going to be that defenses are not going to respect their passing game, certainly not vertically, and so they're going to crowd the line of scrimmage. Howard seats eight-man boxes, and now where do the holes open up? Unless you can open up that defense, like you said, you got little chance. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more, but we'll move on from the Bears because otherwise this will turn into a Chicago Bears podcast really quickly. <laughs> so we are going to talk Detroit Lions. I am, uh, I've always been a fan of Matthew Stafford. I think he's always been underappreciated because he's been in Detroit uh, with different players and different coaching staffs and, and the like. But what do you see from uh, Detroit this year, from uh, Amir Abdullah coming back, Theo Riddick, mm-hmm. that, that run game? What do you see there? Well, it's a hard team for me to read because I look at them and I saw zero run game a year ago. I mean, their short passing game, dump-offs, you know, to the running backs, that was really uh, that was really their run game. That's how they advanced the ball. I don't see anything different this year. It's going to be a little bit like the Giants. Ball out quick, run after the catch, you know, let's get four or five yards per pass. But I don't think they have any ability to grind the ball in the ground game and really force defenses to take advantage. They have, I think they have adequate receivers outside, but are not a, big, not a lot of big play guys. And I agree with you. Not only do I like Stafford and his ability to really run this offense, but I love the fact of how many come-from-behind games they had last year. That has to tell you something about Stafford, his ability to keep – an average team in the game and rally from a deficit. And so that part of it, I think, is really positive. But defensively, again, they're like a lot of teams. They want to blitz. They don't have the guys that can play man. And so they're forced to probably play a little more conservative than they would like. And I think defensively it's going to come down to their pass rush. They used to be a great front four pass rush. Remember in the old days? Mm-hmm. They're not that anymore. And that forces at least them wanting to blitz. But I don't think they can blitz because, again, it puts marginal man, you know, defensive backs on an island, and that's not what they want. No, it's not what they want. And I think overall, uh, defensively, they don't, they're not as good as, as some of the mostly Minnesota in that division, who I like a lot. But we'll move on to the elite offense of this division, and that is the Green Bay Packers. As much as that pains me to say, uh, Aaron Rodgers coming back this year, could he have now with Ty Montgomery coming back? You have Christian Michael there. Do you see the running back position helping Aaron Rodgers this year, opening things up for him even more so. Um, Jordy Nelson, obviously a full season healthy, Devontae Adams, and just who Aaron Rodgers is, is in my opinion the best quarterback in the league. Do you see this team uh, having you know, an, an incredible year and, and maybe making a run into the postseason into the Super Bowl? I think they're going to be exactly the team that we have seen the last couple of years, with the exception I agree with you. I think they're going to run the ball better than we've seen them do it. Montgomery is now going to be a full-time running back. Uh, their rookie, uh, is, is it Jamal Williams, their rookie? Yeah, I believe so. Is that, I think that's their guy. 
but they they really like him. They think they have a chance to be uh, more physical in the run game. They don't need a great run game. They just need to be average to keep a defense honest. And then he's got all the weapons he'll find. And the thing you love when you watch film on this team, you know, Aaron Rodgers demands side adjustment. If the play starts to break down, he's the best in the league, again, with big, uh, probably along with Big Ben, of scrambling. His receivers break off their routes. They go to a different spot. They read the same thing, and, and they're really, really good at that. But he does all the little subtle things, Paige. I mean, he does the back shoulder throw. He does the hard count. He got 13, if I'm not mistaken, 13 free plays a year ago where he did a hard count, drew the defense offside, and got a free play out of it. I mean, the guy is just a magician, you know, with the ball. He double pumps. He does everything. I think he's obviously going to be great, as he always is. It again comes down to a defense. They don't have a great pass defense. Can their pass rush be good enough? Uh, I mean, are they going to be forced to play man-to-man? What they do on defense when you watch them on film page is they are amazing at, at their ability to change their looks and their personnel because they have to hide everything to trick you, basically, because if they line up and you know what they're doing, they're in big trouble because they're not good enough. So they are really a team that moves things around. You think you know what you're going to see, but they have to be creative to hide their deficiencies. And I don't think they're going to be a great defense. If they can be average defense, average run game, then I agree with you. They're going to be a really, really good team because the passing game will take care of itself. Yeah, and I think the the – the Green, Green Bay offensively just hold on to the ball. I think the running the running backs will be good enough for them this year that they control the time of possession so much that that defense doesn't really have to do very much to be successful. All they have to do is be, like you said, average, and they keep this team in a you know in a division where Rodgers is by far and away the best quarterback. Uh, and by far and away has the best offense, that the defense has to be just above average to make this team win this division. I absolutely agree. That's, you know, it's all going to come down to time of possession. You're right, is important. You've got to be able to control the clock and keep that defense off the field. Especially in that cold weather. I know Aaron Rodgers, (laughs) December comes around and nobody wants to go play when Aaron Rodgers is playing in cold weather. But the end of this division is the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously, people know Teddy Bridgewater's injury has continued to, to linger into this year. So we will see Sam Bradford in this offense without Adrian Peterson. That's the first time in a long time we're going to talk about that. But they have Dalvin Cook. They get some young young guys into this offense. Their defense is, is pretty strong, in my, in, in my opinion. What do you like most about the Minnesota Vikings this season? Well, I go back and forth on them, Paige, because I – I think they've made some really nice changes. Uh, their offensive line has been absolutely awful the last couple of years. I mean, their inability to let them do anything has really held back this offense. They've they approached it in the offseason. They've made some changes. They think it's going to help their run game. I like, you know, I like Dalvin Cook. Uh, I like the kid they got from, uh, from Oakland. Uh, so I think their run game will be better because – Again, what AP couldn't do, they love to run out of a shotgun. 
the shotgun guy. Both of these guys can run out of the shotgun and take that deep snap, and I think that'll help them. Uh, hopefully a run game will actually give them a chance for play action, which we haven't seen in the last two years because defenses simply didn't respect it. And uh, I think that could give us some more deep shots. And Bradford really throws a nice deep ball. They say they're going to really, you know, take a chance more on stretching the field. And I would like to see them do that. I think that'll open them up. But defensively, I agree, Pace. They're, they are really, really solid. Uh, you know, they play a ton of sub packages. It's a very smart defense because they ask their guys to play a lot of different roles. Man zone, you know, they'll come after you, they'll drop off. Uh, great front seven, good corners. I think defensively they can carry this football team. And that's where their head coach, to be honest, that's where his strength is. If their defense could dominate, the run game be okay, and Bradford make enough plays, I think they have a chance to at least – make Green Bay a little bit nervous. Yeah. I don't know that anybody is going to beat out Green Bay, but I think this is a division that certainly could be a little more balanced with the exception maybe of Chicago. Yeah, I think all, you know, Minnesota and Detroit, I put kind of in the same same category. I, I like both of those teams. Detroit over the last two seasons has definitely made things interesting with Green Bay uh, being able to, to challenge them. Uh, when they've gone there or when they've been in Detroit playing them and white right down to the wire. Those games always seem to be very, very close. So I think Green Bay does inch out in this division, but I think uh, Minnesota definitely can make things interesting. But we, uh, we'll move on to the NFC South to the Atlanta Falcons, a team that is coming off probably the most, uh, I don't know, disastrous collapse in one of, in sporting events that I've ever seen. And uh, I know that that takes a toll. There's a Super Bowl hangover, and it's no joke. And it happens a lot. And this one is a, a really bad hangover, a uh, real bad one. So do you see no. the Atlanta Falcons? They, they bring back pretty much the same guys. They get better. They add a couple pieces defensively. Do you see this team being able to bounce back mentally from what happened last year? I, I think, Paige, they're the perfect team to bounce back because I think they're young. They have a very aggressive coaching staff. Their coaches did a nice job in the offseason of asking people that they really respected, how do you deal with a collapse? I mean, they didn't just ignore it. They went out and said, let me get some data. Let's figure out how to approach this. But I think the best thing is they're young and aggressive, and I think it's a group that can't wait to get back onto the field. So I don't think there's a – I don't think there's a hangover because I think they feel like they didn't do it, but they were certainly good enough to be Super Bowl champs. And as you said, they got everybody back. I think it it probably offensively comes down to how Matt Ryan gets along with their new coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian. And so far, the reviews of that are really good. Yeah, and Sarkeesian obviously coming in, he's – has it called plays in the NFL at this obviously at this at this stage with Matt Ryan, but a very smart offensive talent in the in in college football. But what have you heard so far, details wise, with Sarkeesian and Matt Ryan? Do you do you foresee that relationship being good enough? Because he had a good relationship with Kyle Shanahan, who's obviously now gone, um, who's being called a you know a 
a phenomenal offensive mind. Do you think Sarkeesian is enough to replace what was Kyle Shanahan? Well, he's not going to really change the offense much. I think the one thing that Sarkeesian will do that Shanahan did not do is give Matt Ryan a lot more, I think, freedom at the line of scrimmage calling audibles. Shanahan did not do that, and Ryan feels like that's one of his strengths. When I'm at the line of scrimmage, get us in and out of a bad play or a good play, and I think you'll see that as a difference. Now, on the other side, Shanahan was amazing at his ability to script the first 15 plays. If you look at them, they were so good because he and Ryan were on the same page in their game plan. Their first 15 plays were off the charts. I don't know that that'll be as good this year, but it's still the same offense. You know, multiple personnel groupings, run and pass, play action, no huddle. And I think the chemistry will, you know, will will be fine. And I think Ryan will really appreciate that he can kind of be his own man before the snap of the ball. Absolutely. I think they have the potential to be the best offense in the NFL. Again, Matt Ryan, big believer in him. And overall, I just think the division gets a little bit better this year and things could get a little bit more interesting. So we'll move on to Carolina. The Panthers, Cam, obviously. Oh, come... yeah, let me, can, can we go back to their defense for a second, Paige? Yeah, absolutely. I think that people are sort of sleeping on their defense at Atlanta, and I really like what they're doing. I'm a I'm a believer in studying philosophies. And this defense, much like Bill Belichick has done his whole career, they're building from the inside out. In other words, they want to be really good on all three levels inside. And, you you know, you see Deion Jones, you see Neal, you see their big guys up front. You know, I think that they are really, really getting good. And last year they started off playing with a bunch of young guys in the secondary a lot of zone, let's be safe, let's don't give up big plays. But as the season went on, they got so much better in their coverages and ability to play fast, more man. And I think this defense is way closer to catching up to the offense than a lot of people realize. And the scary thing is how young they are. They're going to be good for a long time. Well, Dan Quinn is a defensive-minded head coach. Obviously, what he did in Seattle is no joke. That was some of the best defenses we've seen over the last few years is what Dan Quinn did in Seattle. And uh, I think that defense is very good, and I think that will continue to be good, mostly because of, I think, Dan Quinn and, and the respect I have for him as a head coach and a defensive mind. Uh, but yeah, we- and then how about, how about Paige? How much do we see the Seattle defensive philosophy show up all over the league? Oh, yeah. It's amazing. I bet we could find a half dozen teams that we call Seattle West, Seattle South, Seattle North. (laughs) It's a a copycat league, Gary. It's a copycat. It's a side thought, but it's it's really – that seems to be the flavor of the month. Oh, yeah, absolutely, or at least the, fl- <laughs> the, the flavor of the past few years. But uh, Car- yeah, there you go. the Carolina Panthers, is Cam Newton going to be able to, un, un- I want to say unlearn, but retool himself and be able to not take big hits in, cre- in, in key moments and just keep himself healthy because of what he what happened to him last year and how just how battered he got last season 
Well, and part of it was his own fault because he's a guy that loves to throw the bomb. He loves to throw the seam route. He loves the splash play. I think this year, and again, it's still early, I think what we see from New England, Page, is going to be a little more of what we see from Carolina. Short passing game, three- and five-step drops, throw it to your slot guys, throw it to your backs out of the backfield, a lot of crossing routes, a lot of curls, occasional deep shots because we got a great run game off of play action. And the thing of it is, we now have two guys in the slot, McCaffrey and Samuel, two rookies. They're going to be really, really tough to cover underneath. And if Cam will be disciplined enough to be happy enough to take those short underneath throws and live for another day, this offense can really, really be good. I just think, that, as you said, kind of retrain him or relearn him or whatever, it's going to be hard to get him out of the habit of understanding that a two five-yard, you know, short passes are as good as a ten-yard. Absolutely, we will see. We will see. I see Cam struggling with that. I really do. I don't. I don't. It's such a part of who he is and what kind of quarterback he's been for so long. But maybe he learns that. He obviously has Christian McCaffrey there, and I, I really like McCaffrey. I think the kid is. I had the chance to talk to him this this summer, and I think he's. Overall, as a, per, a person, a great person, but I think he's just going to be very successful and, in the NFL. And they're wowing about him in camp. Oh yeah, he's you know, and and they're again, their defense will be good enough. It's going to be always as good as their front seven. They'll play a lot of zones on the back end, but their linebackers are really the key for their defense. And I think the key for Carolina Page is they have linebackers that can cover in passing situations, and when you have guys that are three-down players and don't come have to come out on third down, it gives you a lot more flexibility, and deep offenses can't take advantage of you where they know they're attacking a guy that can't cover. So I, I think they'll be fine on defense, but I really look for an exciting offensive game plan, but I agree with you. Cam's got to be able to, to pull it off. That will to be determined, uh, but we'll go to the New Orleans Saints, a team that I'll start with the, the area that nobody really talks about, and that is the, uh, the passing game we hear a lot about, but defensively we do not hear a lot about. So what do you, what do you see from them defensively? Well, defensively, if you look at their stats, they're still awful. I mean, they've been awful for a couple of years. They keep right, trying to really – promote the fact that they're getting better. And I have to look at a little more film, but I see a little bit of it. I think what they're going to do is they've got a new defense now. It's called a 4-2-5, and they'll go with two linebackers and five DBs, but they'll go with three safeties. And I think that helps. They think that helps them on a lot of underneath passes, those safeties covering backs and tight ends. And I think they feel like, that's going to give them a little more flexibility. But again, like all these teams we're talking about, they don't have a great pass rush. They have injuries up front. So they have a need to blitz. But now we're putting corners in man-to-man situations that we don't like one-on-one back there. And so that's going to be a dilemma. We can't get there with four, but do we want to take a chance on giving up big plays 
because this defense gives up a lot of them. But I think they think they're going to be a little better, and probably like every other year, Paige, Drew Brees is going to have to carry this team. You know, he's going to – they're going to give up a lot of points. I think it'll be a little better than a year ago, but he's going to have to score a lot, you know, to keep him in games, and I think they know that. And and it's a lot of – I mean, Drew Brees is no spring chicken. He's getting up there. Him and Peyton have been doing this. Sean Peyton have been doing this for a long time. His, his, his wide receiver, Brandon Cooks, is no longer there, a guy that he had for a while, and they have new running backs. Uh, and Adrian Peterson being down there, so him and Mark Ingram – uh, it's going to be an interesting dynamic of who ends up being the starter there. How does that all shake out? Offensively, it's I mean it's that passing game because that's what Drew Brees does. But I just don't see them offensively uh, being able to outshoot everybody because I just think their defense is going to struggle. I don't think they're going going to be necessarily as bad as they were last year, but I don't think they're going to take the step forward that at least in their mind they think they have. No, and I don't maybe I'm a little hesitant, but I don't think their running game is going to be as good as a lot of people think. I think it'll... I wasn't a huge fan of it last year. I love AP. I would love for him to have a rebirth. I just don't think this run game is going to be as good uh, as they think. The one guy I do like, though, Michael Thomas. Yeah, huge fan. And I think he has the chance to be really special. And no matter who they have back there, Paige, Breeze is going to put up good numbers. For sure. He's what? always going to do that with or without the run game. But you're right. Their, uh, their ability to win shootouts every week is not very good. And they're, they're not even a team now that dominates at home. I mean, they used to dominate the, super, the Superdome now. You know, we don't see that all the time anymore. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunately for them, I think, and, and for AP as much as I'd like to see that bounce back, just, there's this, this thing called... No, you're right, and the, the problem for them, all three other teams in the NFC South have, in my mind, dramatically improved. Absolutely, and I, I just think Adrian Peterson, father time, says running backs over 30 that bounce back is probably probably not going to happen. Although he, if anybody was going to do it, it would be him. Uh, this is the team. Well, you pay is fresh. Yeah, exactly. He said, "We'll see. We'll see what we get. We'll see what we get from from Adrian yeah. Peterson." But the last team in this division, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm a big fan of this team, Gary. I like what Jameis has been doing over the last two years. I think he takes another big step forward. I am a big fan of Mike Evans. I love. I love what he's done and who he's developed into over the last few seasons. And I just think offensively, they have the ability to be very, very, very good. What do you see? Well, I'm going to jump on the page train on this one also. <laughs> I love what they've done in the offseason. I love the fact that Winston is, is starting mature. Now, I didn't like the way they played last night, but it's an early preseason game. He did exactly what he must avoid if they're going to be the elite team that we want them to be, and that's not force bad decisions. Don't throw into coverage. Don't make stupid, you know, rookie throws. And he did that a couple times last night. But I will say this. Their passing game has a chance to be unbelievable. you got Mike Evans outside. you got Deshaun Jackson outside. Both speed guys. Who are you going to double? You now have unbelievable two tight end sets 
with Howard and Brait. You know, both of those guys can catch, although Brait is the move guy and Howard is, is more of a blocker. But they have a lot of weapons. They can move guys around. They would be so excited on offense if they had a run game. And I don't think they do. I think even with Doug Martin missing the first three games, it'll be running back by committee. But I don't think they'll be any better when he comes back. I just I think that's the Achilles heel, you know, of this offense. But uh, Winston, I think, is headed for a great year if he can avoid mistakes. And I know what Dirk Cutter will do. More bootlegs, more rollouts, half-field reads, like we talked about uh, Dak Prescott. Simplify things. Don't force him to read the entire defense. And I think that's a, uh, a, a big part of this offense. If he takes care of the football, they have a chance to be really, really special. And their defense is getting better. Yep. Mike Smith, their coordinator, has now another year with this defense. They're playing a lot faster. We're seeing more blitzes. We're seeing more attack schemes. And what I like, Paige, is they've simplified their defensive playbook. It allows them to really play fast. They don't have to overthink things. Everything's nice and simple. Just fly to the ball. And I think they're an underrated part of this team that get all the credit goes to the offense. Absolutely. I think the defense the defense doesn't get talked about because the offense is so exciting. And uh, I'm one of those people just because you know how we all are. We love the offense. We love points. Oh, uh, sure. I, and uh, even as a girl who grew up in Chicago who loves and appreciates defense, when a team has the ability to throw the ball nonstop with a Deshaun Jackson and a Mike Evans and a Jameis Winston, the ability, that, that to me is so sweet. But uh, we will end with the NFC West and the team, the hometown team where I am in Phoenix, Arizona, the Arizona Cardinals. I am, uh, I don't want to say on the hype train, but I am, uh, I am aboard the train of this team <laughs> that they're going to make, that they are going to bounce back from last year. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Carson Palmer has figured out a schedule that works for his arm. And defensively, I am all aboard defensively with this team because of James Betcher and the talent that they have. I'm very interested to hear what you have to say and what you see from the Arizona Cardinals this year. Well, I'm, I'm, I really go back and forth page because I love Bruce Arians. I love this team. I love Fitz. I love a lot of things about them, but I, I just don't know. I mean, I think offensively, David Johnson is the best player in the NFL right now. I think that Arians will absolutely get him more touches, not only as a, as a runner, but as a receiver. If he can handle his workload, I think he is going to have a, an absolutely great year. I love their ability in the passing game. But here's my big question, and you're around him more. You know, I know Bruce Arians loves seven-step drops. His whole history in coaching has been, I'll take some quarterback hits in order to, to make some big plays. Mm-hmm. But now you have an older quarterback that's, that's not as durable as he used to be. And I'm wondering, are they going to have to go to more three- and five-step drops, ball out quick, move the ball, and less – deep plays to protect Carson Palmer. That's my biggest question to you, is do they have to change their philosophy, or does Arian says let's air it out? Because they have guys you can air it out to. Yeah, and I, and I think they continue to air it out, 
But the dynamic of having a David Johnson, who you said, and I agree with, the best player in the NFL offensively. And that dynamic changes the fact that they now they don't need to air it out all the time because they have a, a guy who can not only run the ball at an elite level but can do those, those sweet spot catches, those quick catches, and get those runs after the catch where he has the ability to, I mean, just the juking and the quick movements and his, his ability to move and, and shake off defensive players is it's a beautiful thing to watch. And I, he's, a great, he's a great guy and a, just an unbelievable football player. And I think that changes what this offense looks like because they are going to feature David Johnson all of the time. And that, and that, is, that has not been Arian's M.O. for most of his career. But I agree with you. If he can make that adjustment, I think it's best for that football team. But he's got Brown and, what, J.T. Nelson? Those guys can fly. Oh, yeah. Jerron Brown, John Brown, J.J. Nelson. I mean, you got very, very fast guys. And then you got probably the most reliable pass catcher in the NFL and Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, that you, you have an offense that can be very, very good. I'm just big on their defense. I think the – No, the, no. Let me, well, let me ask you this. What do you see from Fitzgerald? I'm scared to death because I love him. I'm scared to death that, that this becomes a start-to-fade year, and I hope it's not. You know, the thing is with Fitz is that I feel like everyone's been saying that for the last three years, and then he goes out and has yeah. the most receptions in the NFL last year. I mean, it's the guy is uh, – he just – he does a very, very good job of keeping his body in, in tip-top shape. He has his preparations off the chart. His preparation, you will not find anybody that matches it, and he's got the best hands probably in the NFL. And and that doesn't change. Yeah, you're right. That doesn't change with time. Those hands aren't going anywhere. So he made that adjustment. He, he's got he's got the old adage adage of he really great in catching in a crowd because he's always in one. Yep, he's always in one, and I think he made that adjustment over the last couple seasons. The first season, Arians was there. He was having a tough time turning into what he needed to be in that offense. And over the last three seasons, he's really, really come into his own in changing who he was in that offense. So I, I see him being just fine. But we will we'll move on. We'll what move about on. their defense? Oh, I love their defense. I, I'm a big fan. I think I love their defense. Campbell's gone. Campbell's gone. But I, what I love is – okay, Chandler Jones is unbelievable – Marcus Golden, like Marcus Golden, a guy who doesn't get talked about a lot, but is a phenomenal athlete. Tyron Matthew back healthy, finally. Patrick Peterson. That's he, a huge key. Who's the corner opposite Patrick Peterson? Justin. That's been a sort of a thorn in their side for a, quite a while. Every so every year, and this is my biggest concern. It's always been my biggest concern because Patrick Peterson takes away the number one ride receiver. That the whoever is playing that team, you can just chalk it up that they're not going to be as relevant that game because Patrick Peterson shuts people down. Justin Bethel is the guy they see in that two spot. He hasn't proven himself yet, but this is truly the first time he's been healthy now going into the season. He was dealing with a foot problem, and as you know, when you are a cornerback, your biggest asset is your speed. Well, you can't be very speedy if you're dealing with a foot lingering foot problem. So I'm in the company of let the kid prove that he can do that because he's still he's going to get beat. Every cornerback, Richard Sherman, Patrick Peter, they all get beat every once in a while. Oh, he, sure. he just needs to prove do that. They have, do, they, do they have enough DBs to play that no-fly zone six and seven? They're going to try. 
I mean, they had the – I'm a big fan of Buda Baker, their draft pick that they brought in. Hassan Reddick, Robert Kimdichie has stepped up big for them this year and I think is going to be the player they drafted him to be. So we'll see. I heard he's had a good camp. He sure has. He's had a phenomenal camp. He looked really good in the good. last – he looked really good in the last preseason game. And I will be at University of Phoenix Stadium tomorrow watching that team to see what they do against a, uh, the Chicago Bears, and I have a feeling they're going to feast – on that offense. <laughs> well, the good thing for them is it's a two-man race in the NFC West. They're yep. in Seattle. Yep, and Seattle has their issues, but we'll get to them. They're, they're the last yeah. team we'll get to. But the L.A. Rams, the L.A. Rams, a team that I'm, uh, that I'm not very high on. I've never been a big fan of Jared Goff. I just uh, wasn't really high on him coming out of college and, and knowing that he – wasn't really uh, in the mental capacity of what I think he needs to be to, to run an NFL offense. Um, a lot of unknowns here. Defensively, they've always been very good. They always have had a good defense in this division. But Todd Gurley was a, a big disappointment for them last year. So what do they do? Does he bounce back this year? I, I, I don't know if he's good enough. Uh, and their wide receivers are okay. Uh, they, they bring in Sammy Watkins. Uh, but what do you see from this team? I, I, ju- I just don't see them competing in this division. No, I don't either. I'm not a huge golf fan, and they've studied him in college, and they've gone back and tried to figure out, you know, what he ran in college. Can he run here? I just don't – he just doesn't make a, not a, a, enough plays for me. But I think their biggest problem is Gurley. Uh, you know, I, don't, I think it's hard to evaluate Gurley right now because nobody respects the passing game. So all he sees are loaded boxes, you know, people stacking to stop the run. They have no chance to loosen up the defense. And so Gurley has no nowhere to run, and I don't see it changing. Uh, Sammy Watkins, interesting, but I'm not ready to jump on board. Tabon Austin, you know, a, a little bit of a gimmick guy. So I don't know where the big plays are going to come from. You, you would like to think, Paige, that, hey, let's play great defense, run the football and control the clock, but I don't think they do. I think this is a three-and-out offense because they can't get anything going on first and second down because of those loaded boxes. And I do like, you know, Wade Phillips. This is a good defense that Greg Williams hands it off. They'll go to a, a, to a 34. He's got good players. The only thing he doesn't have that he had in uh, in Denver, he had really good man cover DBs, which allowed them to blitz and really be aggressive and take chances. He doesn't have those guys uh, in L.A., so I think on the back end, he's probably going to have to try to get it done with a pretty much a rush four and, and limited blitzes. But I think the whole key is this defense is going to have to carry them. I mean, because I don't see a lot to hang your hat on. There's also the ever-looming issue of the Aaron Donald contract, and that has not been taken care of. Aaron Donald, uh, probably the best, could be the best player in the NFL defensively, and that contract issue has not been taken care of. And that will be interesting to see how that works out. I don't know the details of that page, but I know Aaron Donald. He's a great young guy. I'm really surprised. That, I mean, he's not a belligerent guy. So, you know, I would think he's their franchise guy on this football team. I mean, he's the guy that they build around. I would think that's something they got to get done. But, again, I don't know the details, so 
you know, that'll remain to be seen. But if he if his holdout lasts into the regular season, wow, that's yeah. a huge, huge issue. Yeah, that's a huge issue, a huge distraction, and obviously not having your best guy locked up long term is a big problem for any franchise. Uh, but we will move, we will move on to the San Francisco 49ers. Well, another great team. Uh, yeah, uh, sarcastically said. Uh, we bring in they bring in Brian Hoyer and Matt Barkley. Uh, uh, they decided to bring in former Bears quarterbacks. I guess uh, it's a uh, it's an interesting play in that I, uh, Hoyer has always done been average. He, he's a game man, a game manager. Uh, Bart, Barkley had some flashes last year where he looked pretty good. They bring in Pierre Garçon. Uh, but offensively and de- just overall this team, roster-wise, is not where it needs to be to compete in any division in the NFL and, and be very, very good. No, And I think they know that. And I think that's why they're going to be very patient. The, I think the key for this organization is patience. They know they've got a long time. The coach and GM have six-year contracts. They're going to build this thing the right way, and I think they, they'll they say, hey, we'll get our quarterback next year. Maybe it's Kirk Cousins, but we're not going to overspend. We'll just get by this year. Our quarterback will be basically just a guy that hands off. I think the key is maybe Carlos Hyde, and I've heard everything about that. When I've heard that the coaches don't like his running style, and then I've heard that he's going to be the key because their passing game looks really lousy right now. So... Are they a run first, try to control the clock, you know, uh, offense with Carlos Hyde? I think it comes down to Shanahan is going to have to be a master play caller. He's going to have to be a great game game planner, and he's going to do it with mirrors and hope that he can steal a game or two because this the personnel on this offense, to me, is just flat out awful page I just don't know where the plays come from yeah and and what a difference a year makes Kyle Shanahan last year is calling plays for probably the most offensively talented team in the NFL and he's now probably on at least the bottom three offensively talented teams in the NFL and I think when you march out Brian Hoyer and Matt Barkley you're pretty much waving the the white flag and saying listen fans uh this is not who these these guys are not going to be our starting quarterbacks long term, and hopefully they get their guy next year. But as we've seen in past, there is no guarantees in the NFL draft when it comes to quarterbacks. And, uh, no, and the problem, the other problem is on the defensive side of the ball, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. They have the well-defined principles. They have a great scheme, but they don't have the players to run the scheme. Yep. There again. They're a, a Seattle South team. That's what they want to be on defense. But like you've said earlier, you don't have Richard Sherman. You don't have all these guys. You know, so they're going to be a bad defense. Their best chance on defense, keep everything in front of you in a bend-but-don't-break scheme and hope somewhere along the line you can create a turnover or a big play or at least force an offense to put multi-play drives together because I, I just don't see where the plays are coming on either side of the ball. Yeah, it's hard to be Seattle South when you don't have uh, Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas on your defense. So that, uh, oh, yeah. that, that, that could be a big struggle for the San Francisco 49ers. They could be a, a team that competes for uh, worst team in the league and worst record in the league. But we will talk about that mighty Seattle Seahawks defense. 
I go I go back and forth with this team. I always think uh, defensively, the the personnel they have is unbelievable. They are an incredibly fun defense to watch. A lot of swagger on that team. But offensively, I will never understand why they will not pay to get offensive linemen that are going to protect your long-term quarterback in Russell Wilson. And that offensive line is not much better than it was last year. And I and and you have and you don't have the the safety blanket in Marshawn Lynch that they had in previous years to take care of Russell Wilson. Obviously, they didn't have him last year, but that offense struggled. And uh, I'm not sure what you're going to get offensively from this team this year, and if Russell Wilson is going to get protected. No, and I agree with you, Paige. I mean, I think you know. Here's a stat for you: under five percent of their offensive cap goes to their offensive line. Can you believe that? Wow. That's how little they're paying these guys. And I think what happens is they have a really good offensive line coach, Tom Cable. And when I was in the league, I saw it on so many teams. Your offensive line coaches are usually great teachers. They're great developmental guys. And it's very easy as an organization to over-evaluate the offensive line coach and to talk yourself into thinking, hey, he can take an average guy and make him better than he is. Therefore, I don't have to spend a lot of money. And I think that's what a lot, if that makes sense to you, that's what a lot of teams get caught up in. You know, my coach will save me a lot of money because he'll make this guy a good player. And you can't always do that. I mean, in today's game, you've got to have good athletes. So... I think that's a problem. I don't. I have no confidence in Eddie Lacy. I mean, I hope that he's an answer, you know. And then they have some options in the run game, but I do think that Russell Wilson will have a bounce back year. I, I love his passing targets. Uh, you're right. He's got to stay healthy though. And I'm actually a little concerned, Paige, about their defense. They lost their swagger a year ago. They're a year older. They've got to get that back. They've got to play with that freedom that they used to play with. And I, I think they're really, really good. But I'm wondering, are they a year older? Do they do they slow down a little bit? I'm not saying that they will. But I just, you know, it's tough to play in Seattle. Yep. I think Russell Wilson is, is better. But uh, I agree with, with you. It's a little bit of a tough team to read because – at their best was when they had that power run game that everything else fed off of. Yep. Play action, their passing game. And I, until we see it, I don't know that we have it. And I think everyone is giving Seattle the benefit of the doubt. They're giving them that, you know, they're giving them the confidence that they had of that team two, three years ago. But Dan Quinn's no longer there. That defense was not the same without him last year. There is locker room issues. No matter what anybody wants to say, when there's smoke, there's fire, and there's been plenty of smoke there. And I don't know what that does inside the locker room. I'm not going to pretend like I know because I'm not an NFL player. But I do know that it can't be a good thing. And things that have been said to other reporters, to other players outside that I've heard Richard Sherman be very, very outspoken, trade talks this offseason and in the draft. I mean, a lot of talk coming out of there. And I think you bring up a great point. It's another year older. Earl Thomas is coming off an injury. Uh, and what is this team? They, they definitely have the talent is all there. But to expect that they're going to recreate the magic they had two, three years ago, Marshawn Lynch isn't there. 
Dan Quinn isn't there, and they're all older. So to expect that they're always going to be that team oh, no, that they I, were is, Paige, is I agree that they could they could be an eleven and five team and really really play well, or they could be an eight and eight team and just really lose games that we thought they'd win. I mean, they, they did that last year. We saw them lose some games that absolutely shocked us. And what I don't know, Pete Carroll is a great locker room guy. He's great with his players. And, and, and it's so unusual for this thing to be as out there, you know, in terms of players talking as it is with him as the head coach because it just doesn't seem their style. But he's also a guy that loves to give his guys freedom to talk. Yep. And I think that's, I think ultimately it's bitten him a little bit. Is too much freedom has become a little, a little too, you can, you feel like you can disrespect your coach in the middle of a game. I wasn't a big fan of that. And I know if I was a head coach, I definitely wouldn't be a big fan of that. So I think you enable your players to feel a certain level of respect for you enough that they know that they cannot do things like that. Richard Sherman cannot no, and, and, disrespect and, and his coaches. And you know we're in a social media environment now where everything's a soundbite. Yep. You know, if I make an off-the-cuff statement or something outrageous, everybody in the world's going to pick it up, and I'm going to get a ton of publicity. Absolutely. Well, uh, Gary, this was fun. We got through the entire NFC. We're going to do – We did. I don't know if we went longer than you wanted to, but I felt like we – it was a good con- talked was, everything through. Yeah, we talked everything through. It was a great conversation, and we will be back next week doing the AFC. And, and we uh, gotta wait till next Wednesday, huh? Yeah, Jeez. we gotta, we gotta wait till next Wednesday and try and convince myself that anybody other than the New England Patriots is gonna win the AFC. And I don't know if by Wednesday I'm going to convince myself of that. So, uh, Gary, I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't even know. <laughs> how about as, how about if, as they look at their division right now? Yeah, well, uh, it's it's gonna be fun. Yeah. To, it's gonna be fun to get into that next week. But for uh, uh, we'll do that. You can uh, you can follow Gary on Twitter. He's at Gary Horton NFL, and you can follow me at the underscore sports page, and obviously follow at FanRag Sports. Thank you, Gary, for joining. Uh, and you can listen to this episode. We'll be back every week with some NFL matchups. Thank you for Gary and for Paige Demacos. This has been the Scout and the Sports Page.